Bet you guys. It's great. Always a worship. Hey. Um, can I turn your attention this morning just to a passage in one of the books of the New Testament? It's got six chapters. It's called Ephesians. It's Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. In many ways, this letter is it was kind of written to the church and the Christians at Ephesus, but um, chapter 6 we're looking at, if you, um, verses 10 to 18. But in many ways, it, it could be uh, written to all people, all Christians. And of course, it is today as we sit under his word and listen to his truth. And um, if you remember what Ephesians 6 is about, it's, it's always that, verses 10 to 18, it's that chapter about, you know, the armor of God stuff. If you've ever read it, it talks about the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, feet shoulder of the gospel of peace. Um, I think I got it all. Um, well, this is what this passage, but there's a little bit more than that. I'm not going to major, I'm not going to look at that so much today, but I want to just highlight some incredible thoughts from Ephesians chapter 6 and what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Um, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his, this is the last chapter. So Paul says, Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Um, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand... Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet shod with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. To take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind. Okay, with this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I, uh, as I read this, I reminded myself that this is, a, this is something uh, Paul wrote, and he wrote about 62 AD, which is like 62 years after, about that time after the birth of Christ, and about 30 years after the death of Christ. So it wasn't too long, but it was still a good length of time that he, he wrote down these thoughts. Uh, inspired by God's Holy Spirit. He, and you've got to understand, when he wrote this, he was in a Roman prison. okay, And he was writing to the church in Ephesus where this city, you've got to understand the time frame and the, and the culture of the city at the time was pretty dark. Ephesus was a fairly dark city because the city was home to the most worshipped God in then the, the known world. And the most worshipped God in the known world in those days, uh, in that time period, was the goddess of Diane. Um, and, and, the, and this goddess and this worship dominated, the temples dominated the city of Ephesus and they dominated the, 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 the religious atmosphere of the city and the spiritual atmosphere of the city. It was right throughout the city. You can read about all of this in another New Testament book called Acts chapter, Acts, but chapter 19. It talks about Paul talking about his time. You see, um, before Paul was in prison, he went through Ephesus on a crusade of sharing Christ with as many cities as possible. And when he shared, and he passed through Ephesus and shared Jesus, and he also, they saw the demonstration of the Holy Spirit as it came and touched people's lives. Um, there were a large number of people became Christians, and you can read about it, as I said, in Acts chapter 19. 
and we see that the, it impacted the people of the city, the city of Ephesus, so greatly um, that they bought all their black magic and their books and their, their, their ritual stuff, and they burnt it. You can read about it. And it says there was so much stuff that they piled on this bonfire, it was worth about 50,000 silver pieces. You've got to appreciate that. You might say, well, what was that worth? Well, today's terms, it's about 5.5 million Australian dollars. That is incredible. There was a revival happening in Ephesus. In this incredibly dark city, something started to break and people's lives started to change as the power of God was manifest and, God's, and Jesus Christ was preached. They actually say there was such an influence on people that around historically, this is not biblical now, but historic, historians say that about 60,000 people were actually, it was about the size of the church in Ephesus. That's a good sized church, isn't it? So there was something powerful happened. It was because of the power and the spirit of God broke the power and the spirit of the enemy in that city. I'm sure there was still an influence happening in the dark world there, but um, there was something happening. So you've got to appreciate that no wonder Paul writes in, in Ephesians chapter 6 about spiritual things. And he talks to the Christians. He says, come on, you've come out of darkness. You've come out of that worship of this. And, and, and the goddess of Diane was known as the goddess of the underworld. <laughs> so, you know, there was a lot of dark things happening in that city. So he said, no wonder he spoke about spiritual things to them. Because they understood spiritual stuff. These people understood spiritual stuff. But it was the wrong kind of spirit, wasn't it? It was a spirit of, of demonic spirits and the devil himself. Now, God through Paul presents the Holy Spirit and presents the message of Christ. And many come and they're gladly received, I'm glad, I imagine, the message and become Christians. And Paul writes spiritual things. And no wonder he says things like this. The words of God like a sword of the Spirit. They can cut through the lies of the enemy. He, he, has that type of, he uses that type of terminology, the sword of the Spirit which they could relate to because the soldiers would carry spears, uh, swords around. And so we see this, and also Paul says in his last verse of this passage, he says, come on, if you're going to pray, pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul is emphasizing the Spirit, emphasizing uh, what God can do because they understood spiritual things. They'd been so wrapped up in, in, in the dark side of spiritual things and now knew the release. And so... Reality is we live in a, in a world that is, has elements of darkness. Um, that has been obviously shown very clearly this week with what's happening in, um, even in New Zealand. Um, I don't, I'm not trying to overemphasize it or over-spiritualize it, but the reality is the devil wants to destroy people. And he twists and we allow our minds to be twisted and our thoughts to be twisted and and then we see horrific things happen, don't we? So we live in a fallen world that worship false gods today still. And it may not be the goddess of Diane um, that we're looking, but there are some people are looking for some spiritual power to help them with, their, with the realities of life, like the, like the struggle in relationships, like the broken hearts they have. They're looking for some answers and for some spiritual enlightenment and they're looking for direction. And even in, in, in their emotional world, people are strung out. They're in stress and anxiety, anxious. And, and they're looking for some, some answers there. 
And you know, the truth is, we have body, soul, and spirit, don't we? As I said last Sunday, we live in a body, we have a soul, but we are created as a spirit. It's just that the tangible things of the soul, like emotions and thoughts and physical body, sometimes want to rule that other part of us that we really truly are, and that's the spiritual side of us, that God's breathed into us His Spirit. We live and breathe and move in, in Him today. And so we need to give emphasis. It's not some intangible thing. I know it's intangible in the sense that we can't see of this in the spirit realm, but the, the truth is, we now, the more we plug in and draw near to God, the more the understanding comes of truly who we are and how important it is to allow God's Holy Spirit into our lives. Would you agree? So important. Do you know, we live in this world, and I was just reflecting on that thought and, and, um, this week, and Michelle um, showed, me a, showed me a little piece of information um, and she says, isn't this interesting? And she didn't know I was speaking on this. And I thought, boy, that is incredibly interesting. She, she shared with me a statistic. Um, in, in 2001 census, I know it's some 18 years ago, but you know how we do a census in Australia and other countries do censuses and they, they record the population. And, and in that questionnaire, you'll see religion. <clears throat> Did you mind if I just grab a drink of water? Nick, could, could I just grab one? Thanks, buddy. I just need one. Um, and, and, and in those questionnaires, um, there is, um, there, there's this question about religion. And you can tick, you know, Muslim, Christian, whatever. And then at the bottom, um, hey, thanks, buddy. I forgot to get one. I appreciate that. And at the bottom, you can, you can write your whatever religion other. You remember that in the census? Do you know in Britain, 400, nearly 400,000 people wrote their religion as Jedi. <laughs> now, don't laugh, you New Zealanders, because 53,000 of you wrote Jedi. <laughs> and did you know that Australians, you can't laugh because 70,000 of you wrote Jedi as well. I've, uh... Now, you might wonder, what is the religion of Jedi? I didn't even know it was a religion. But Jedi is that myth mythical characters in the movies of Star Wars... And for those who haven't seen Star Wars, that's okay. I'll explain it to you. A Jedi is a person, um, just so I get it right, <laughs> who displays the power uh, to have attributes. And the attributes come from the Force. For those who uh, watch Star Wars, it comes from the, this thing called the Force. And, and the Force can harness powers that can influence people's thinking. Wow. You know? Um, and, and, you know, you see Obi-Wan Kenobi influencing people's thinking. Uh, and then also the force can move objects with the wave of your hand. And then we see the force could also have the ability to have, give you supernatural strength. Um, and, and, and there's other characteristics as well. And it's a force that brings control. And I know it's a bit funny and it's a bit silly to talk about it. But the reality is, I think there's an underlying thought here. I think the world is seeking spiritual things. They're thirsty for anything that will bring peace and anything that will help us control our out-of-control lives. And so they you know, I don't know what you do if you go to a Jedi church, or is there a church, or do you worship, you know, I don't know. Who knows what the story, more than likely they just put it down there and thought, well, that's what I would love to attain to, that I'd have control like that. You know, just I'll be able to move objects and... 
all that type of stuff. The reality is, it, even anything that's not of God, is there's an underlying darkness to it, isn't there? There's an underlying, if it's, it's a counterfeit for what God could do. I mean, you know, God, he took Philip from one spot and transported him to another spot simply to evangelize to an Ethiopian like that. Talk about beam me up, Scotty. God has power. He's, he, he doesn't, everything else is a counterfeit. The truth is, in, in relation to changing minds, we don't go around changing minds, but, you know, we, the Holy Spirit can influence our thinking for the good. He can give us right thought and not wrong thought. Um, you know... He gives us not supernatural. He does give us supernatural. He gives us supernatural strength on the inside, maybe not physically, but inside us to combat the works of the enemy. So the, the, the power of God is incredible. So, so we see there's a dark force and there's, you know, in this Star Wars, but the truth is it's not, it's not a mythological thing. There is a dark force in the world. It's called the devil and his demons, isn't it? Uh, that stands against humanity. You know, let's understand he's not some mythological character. He, that's real. He is a fallen angel. There was a guy called Keith Green who was a Christian artist many, 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 many years ago, for those who remember Keith Green. And he wrote a song singing as if it was singing from the devil's, if the devil was singing it. And the words go like this, no one believes in me anymore. <laughs> You know, and that's what the devil would sometimes like us to think, but the truth is, is reality. I'm not here to bring sad news. I'm just here to help us understand there is a darkness out there, isn't there? So the good news is we have a force as well. To be honest, the Holy Spirit's not a force. He's a person. Um, but in this passage, in Ephesians 6, it's called the Lord's mighty power, verse 10, which is the Holy Spirit. His presence in our lives. Paul has, has the answer. Because he does say we don't fight against what? Flesh and blood. We don't fight against, other words, people really. Even though we do a pretty good job of it sometimes in this world. Destroying each other. But really our, our fight is against principalities and powers. But what he's saying is, is he then goes on in verse um, 13 and 14, he talks about make a stand in this passage. He says several times, he says, make a stand. And when you've done all, stand. And I want to say that as Christians, we've got to understand that our wrestle for vic is not for victory. It needs to be understood that our wrestle is from victory. There's a difference. Our wrestle is not for victory. Our wrestle is from victory. Because Paul emphasizes Hey, you know, if you're standing in battle against the enemy, you're standing with the understanding that if you haven't got this understanding, uh, you, you probably need, you'd probably run. But you've got to understand that you can, if you're going to stand in battle against an enemy, you you sense and you know that you've got the victory already. Otherwise, you wouldn't stand. Otherwise, you wouldn't stand there because, well, I'll just stand here, even though I'm going to lose this battle. No, no, no. You stand knowing that you, you've won already. You've just got to follow it through with some actions. And so we've got to understand as Christians, because of what Christ has done for us at Calvary in his death, and then his incredible resurrection from the dead, he's defeated sin and death. And so we stand now as Christians who also can stand in that position of authority over the enemy and stand knowing that it's not, we're not wrestling and fighting for victory. We're, fighting, uh, we're wrestling with or from victory already. Um, we sung about it this morning. All the songs were about where we stand in Christ in victory. So 
It's knowing that we've already won. We have authority. But you can see that even though the devil and his enemy has been defeated by Christ at Calvary on the cross and forgiveness of sins, he still has power. Okay? For a season, he still has power. Even though he's a defeated foe, he still has some element of power. And verse 26 says, speaks of the power of the enemy, that he will try and use it against us. Yeah. Okay? And for every person who receives Christ as Lord, as Savior of the lives, we have at our disposal the power over the enemy, as we've said. Um, and we need to ask the question, but what is this power that the enemy wants to bring against us? And I'm glad you asked the question, because... He is a deceiver, he is a liar, he is a slanderer, he's a thief, he's an accuser. Uh, he has schemes, strategies, ploys and plots. Okay, He employs all of them against us. His goal is very clear and that is this, to destroy the image of God in you. To make you less looking like God. He wants, please remember, at creation, God put his image in us. He created us in the image, we were created in the image of God. And that image is like... The joy and the peace and the, and the love and the self-control that we can. That's God's image. He put self-control within us. He put love within us. His image is beautiful. It's good. It's wonderful. It's all those great attributes that we all love. It's all those great attributes that we need to show in our families, that we need to show in the family of God, that we need to show to the lost in the world. It's all those wonderful attributes. Who doesn't like a real dose of love in your life? I mean, it's brilliant. The image of God is amazing. And so he, he's, uh, the devil wants that to be destroyed in us. And the less of that in our lives, the more he achieves his goals. That God's image is destroyed in us. He doesn't want that image in us. In, in some ways, he's a master of psychology. He's an expert in human nature. And he knows our weaknesses. And he, and he knows the vulnerable areas to, to attack us at. Okay? And the enemy seeks to influence us. So... I wanted to just talk about this morning the three main areas that the enemy will seek to work in us. But as much as they're the three main areas the enemy seeks to work in us, they're the same areas that the Holy Spirit wants to protect in us and strengthen us in. In actual fact, if you are strengthened in these areas, you're invincible in relation to the, the enemy and his fiery darts. You're, you know, he, he, in actual fact... And the devil trying to pull us down in these areas, in actual fact, he, he's an idiot because he doesn't do us. If we, be, if we become stronger in these areas, the more that he works sometimes, and we, the more we become stronger, and the more of God's image is reflected in and through our lives. So, what areas are they? Well, they're, they're, not, they're not something that you haven't thought of before, and maybe you haven't heard of before. But I want to bring to your attention again. The enemy wants to attack us in our minds. You say, oh, I knew that. Let's go to the end of the message. No, no. Let's think about it. Our mind is our thinking. It's the first area that he'll try and attack. And I want to bring it to our attention because I know as a believer in Christ that I know this truth and I read the scriptures that what God wants to do in my mind, but still I need to be reminded and I need to strengthen this area of my thinking because my thinking can get quite stinking sometimes. And we've got to, we've got to, you know, we've got to change it. See, 
your thinking is the seat of your will and it's the seat of your intellect, okay? Just so we understand, let me give you a little outline what your thinking is. It's the logical part of you. It's the seat of reason, isn't it? You think about things. You reason things out. Um, it's where your self-talk come from, comes from. People say that the first sign of madness is you're talking to yourself. No, I think it's the first sign of sanity. We need to self-talk. Did you know this morning you're self-talking as you, read, as you sang those scriptures? I am chosen. What are you doing? You're declaring God's goodness in you. Self-talk is brilliant, especially when you take God's word and self-talk it to yourself. Oh, thank you. I am more than a conquering Christ Jesus. See, this is your thinking. This is where your thinking takes place. It's where your memories reside. It's that part that hosts our conscience and develops perceptions. Um, we have imaginations, and it all happens in our mind. Our mind is powerful area of our lives, isn't it? Uh, the Bible says so. It's powerful. It actually says in, it, it, it's so powerful it can actually transform our lives for good just by our thinking. Wow. Romans 12.2, it says, we can be renewed. We can be transformed by the what? The renewing of our mind. That's how powerful our mind is. So you're thinking... Gee, you've you got to realize how powerful this little gray matter and your ability to think is. God's given you that ability. This is where the enemy comes and he shoots fiery darts of doubt. He tries to regurgitate memories that are negative. He tries to give us destructive self-talk. I'm a nobody. I can never make it. People don't love me. All that negative self-talk. When we go to bed at night, who's ever had this? You go to bed at night, all you want to do is sleep, and all you start to think about is all the worry thoughts. Oh, no, all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that. I would go to bed at night, and Michelle goes, hops, puts her head on the pillow. Wham, she's gone to sleep. I go, what happened there? <laughs> I'm still thinking about, you know, this and this. And you've got to... You gotta, You've got to stop it, haven't you? Just turn it in. If, if you have 10 minutes of worry, why don't you turn it in 10 minutes of prayer before you go to sleep? See how you sleep then? A lot better. Maybe, maybe your sleepless nights have got less to do with your pillar and your bed is more to do with the things you're concerned about. See, this mind is powerful. Um, we have to put a stop to that. Thoughts of evil, thoughts of failure, want to silence the voice of the Holy Spirit. Thoughts that want to contradict the words of God over our lives. The Holy Spirit wants to speak, not just for your information, but he wants to speak for your transformation. And if the enemy, if you're listening to the enemy's lies, you can't hear sometimes what God's truth and word and Holy Spirit want to say. There was a guy called William Christian. He was an a psychiatrist in the late 1800s, and he was a Christian psychiatrist, and, and he had some profound comments and thoughts to say. And these are things that we understand today, but, but do we practice them? Because he says this, the greatest discovery, he thought, and it was, a, it was a mind-blowing statement in that day, the late 1800s. He says, the greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter his life by altering his attitudes. We all, you've all heard it. You're... you're your, your altitude is determined by your altitude, attitude. <laughs> how high you go in life is determined how you think. Um, and then he says, the greatest weapon against stress, this is really simple thoughts, but the greatest weapon against stress is to choose one thought over another, he said. 
That's a good thought, isn't it? Just imagine if he went to sleep and said, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think about this. It's a simply a, it's, it's swapping out the bad for the good sometimes. The enemy wants to fire his darts in there, and it starts in there thinking. He really, and what James, uh, William James is really saying is only repeating a biblical principle in the Word of God because 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The New Living Translation about that little part, divine power to demolish strongholds, says this. Strongholds, the divine power to, to, to demolish strongholds of human reasoning and false arguments. Pretty plain, isn't it? Human reasoning, false arguments. Verse 5, we... Demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make obedient to Christ. That's a, that's a wonderful word picture. Taking captive every thought. It's like you pull it out your left ear and say, scrumple it up and you put it in prison and, and throw away the key. Never to come back into your mind. It would be good if it was as easy as that. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way. But... Did you notice in verse 4 it says divine power? It's speaking of God's Holy Spirit, the power of God, His presence in us, isn't it? Taking captive every thought, taking captive every thought, taking captive. Just imagine if you walk down the street and, you know, as you're walking along, you get a thought, oh, and you know that's not the thought I need to have. And if you just took it captive and you, and you say, I'm not going to think that, I'm going to swap it out with the right thought. Um, but you know what? What I find is sometimes you've got to do it more than once. You've got to do it once and then twice and then three, four, five, six, seven times. But what you're doing is you're disciplining your mind to think on that which is Philippians 4 8, good, perfect, pure, good things to think on and right things. That's what, this, that's what you're disciplining your mind. Did you know discipline is the work of the Holy Spirit? Did you know what, um, you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, joy, peace, self control. You know what self control is? Discipline. You know, God wants to give you a strength of discipline in your life because sometimes the, the attack comes back time and time again. You, and, and, the devil thinks he's weakening you. You just need to realize he's strengthening you because you've been able to withstand it. You say, no, I swap out that thought. You do it again and again and again until long, no longer does that thought have traction in your mind ever again. Paul said to his young friend Timothy, did you know, just going back to the church at Ephesus, did you know Timothy was the pastor at the church at Ephesus? He was just a young man. Just imagine having a church of 60,000. He's only like 25. Woo! But anyway, he was, he was a young man and Paul wrote to him. He wrote a particular letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.14. And he says, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, Carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. That's the New Living Translation. Preciously guard the truth. Through, the, what, through what power, folks? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's presence in you. We see the divine power at work in our lives, influencing us for good. Um, Paul also said in 2 Timothy 1.7, God's not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of love and of power and of a Sound mind. Now, I love the word sound mind. Now, the translators in the New King James have said sound mind because it's a worthy word to be used. But if you go to the original, it also means, um, it means discipline, self-control. And that's what we're talking about before, isn't it? 
a sound mind, having self-control. In other words, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, empowers us and says, One of the things I'm, some of the things I'm going to give you against the fiery darts of the enemy is love, power, and self-discipline. So that you can wake up and go to sleep every night and say, I'm going to exchange those thoughts. I'm going to swap them out. They're not going to be part of my lifestyle anymore. And as you keep on doing it, that's called discipline, growing in strength, isn't it? The Holy Spirit strengthens us um, with discipline. Um, We have the ability to alter our thoughts and choose one thought over another. Here's the second area that I want to just mention to you this morning that, that the, the battleground, the, the, the enemy and the presence of God are sometimes battling within our soul. See, it, it's a progression from the first thing. You know, the enemy always starts with just a thought. And the second thing that happens, we often, does, he starts to work. And if we allow that thought to take a little bit of root and get a bit of traction in our thoughts and our lives, it starts to influence our feelings. And our feelings is where it are formed in our heart, not physical heart, but in this body, there's a feeling part of us. We kind of, we kind of put this word heart on it because we're not quite sure what else, but it's the feeling part. And, and I've discovered the feelings are not the most reliable source of truth. Would you agree? Now, feelings are good, you know. Um, who wrote that wonderful song? Feelings. Who was that? Was that? Who was it? Oh, anyway, it's that lady, American lady. Um, Barbara Streisand, that's it. She sang it. I don't know if she wrote it, but feelings. And feelings are good, they're, but they're not the most reliable source of truth. It, it, feelings is different from your mind because feelings and the heart is the seat of your af, 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 affliction, af, affections, not afflictions. It's where you feel things, where you love, isn't it? It's where you trust. It's a place where you feel the deepest hurt or you can feel the greatest joy. Feelings. Um, you know, and, and, and that's okay. We have hurts and we have, you know, joys and all that. And, and, but this, this place of our feelings, our heart, we can sometimes... The enemy wants to make it a hard heart sometimes. Or he wants to make it a broken heart. Or he wants to, you know, a heart blinded by darkness or a deceitful heart. Or, or maybe a pure heart. And it really is dependent on us. It's our choice today or how far we allow the thinking, our thoughts, to affect our feelings. How far we let our mind to affect our heart attitude. How long, much we allow the seat of reasoning to affect the seat of affections. So you, have, you can have all these hearts, and our heart is the seat of our integrity. You know, the enemy seeks to compromise our heart, doesn't he? Compromise our lifestyle, compromise our thoughts, compromise our attitudes. Uh, and it can, he wants to destroy, once again, he wants to destroy the image of God in you. He wants to pull it down. So he seeks to defile our heart with ungodly passions. He wants to pollute your heart with anxiety, insecurity, depression, anger. He wants to harden your heart by making critical, disillusioned, disappointment, and cynical. He wants to do all those things. God says, this part of your life, your heart, your feelings, you need to protect your heart from those attitudes as it will take your life down the wrong way. Proverbs chapter 4.23 says that. Keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it, what, springs the issues of life. Now, if we just pause for a moment, it's interesting, this, this verse, 
Because sometimes we can think the issues of life come from the circumstances that are not so nice around us. But no, the Bible says the issues of life come out of our heart. So what happens around us is all dependent on how you react to it. And if you don't react badly, there's, sometimes the, what comes out of your heart is just praise God, joy, or whatever it may be anyway. But, you know, we sometimes misinterpret how oh, all these things are happening to me. They're all the things out there, the issues of life. No, they're not. What is your reaction to them is what the problem is. Can you grab that this morning? Is that cool? You see, I was, yesterday, I was, um, I was vacuuming the floor. I know, I know, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we've just been home a week and, you know, the floor needed to be vacuumed and Michelle was doing the piles, the mountains of washing and, and said, so, oh, it's okay, I'll vacuum the floor. I like vacuuming in our floor because we've got a good vacuum cleaner and I put the floor down. So I, make, I like to make it look, you know, ladies, if you ever want your husband to do the vacuum, get him to put the floor down. Because you invest in something you put hard sweat tears into. And so I was vacuuming it. That's not, that's not what I'm going to talk about. But um, I was vacuuming it, and th- there is this little side table in the, near the lounge chair, and it's got a glass of water. And as I saw, I said, who left? I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say, who's left this glass of water here? Anyway, I'm a male. Don't take the glass of water into the kitchen, tip it out the sink, just leave the glass on it. You know, no, no, no. Try and move the co- little table with the glass on it. <laughs> which I achieved. Moved the table out. Glass of water was still there. That's pretty good. Vacuum that spot. And then I went to take it back. (laughs) And the little table kind of collapsed and the glass kind of spilled. And it just didn't spill, folks. It shattered into at least 103 pieces. I know because I picked them all up. And straight away my thought went, my thoughts, not my words, because I knew I was preaching this message. Um, <laughs> my thoughts went, who left the glass of water there on the table? Didn't they know I was going to be vacuuming today? Uh, obviously not. And you know what? I bl- and I started to blame the other people in the home, and there wasn't too many options to blame. <laughs> it certainly wasn't my two dogs. And I was starting to think, someone's left the glass. And I probably know. And then I picked myself up and said, see, who really, why am I so upset? I'm upset because of the circumstances around me and I'm making an issue out of it. And I think the issue is in the circumstance when the issue is in my heart. And the issue is get over it. You've done it. You own it. You be responsible. You clean up the mess. You pick up the glass and get on with the rest of the vacuuming. And see, often in life we do the same thing. We think there's all these circumstances and we misinterpret them as the issues of life. No, they're not. The issues of life come out of your heart, folks. And the devil fires his little fiery darts at you and tries to make you think everything else is the problem and you're never the problem. I've worked out that I am the problem. So we have these hearts that we've got to work. We allow, it's from the mind, and if we allow the thoughts to develop, it wants to influence our feelings. They're not reliable sometimes. Feelings are good. God's put feelings in our lives for a reason, but, you know, for the right reasons. And, you know, when we get, but the feelings can make us suffer from depression, anxiety, and mental illness even. And I 
I want to fully respect all people who face mental illness and issues. I appreciate there are some incredible struggles in today's life. But I want to say, we can bring ourselves, I believe, back further and further. I want to tell you, I appreciate medication, but I want to say the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are also an incredible source of mental health to our bodies. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the what of God and the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts, feelings, and minds, thoughts, uh, through Christ Jesus. Another area, that, that's a, it's an area of battlefield, and we see very clearly that God says, come on, uh, you know, if we're suffering from some elements of mental illness or some depression or anxiety, I, I, I want to say, you know, it says here, it says, come on, through prayer and, and, and committing God to prayer and thanksgiving, giving Him thanks in the midst of that struggle, saying, God, I just thank you anyway. I just praise you anyway, because it stops you thinking about all the things you need could be negative about, and it starts to focus on that, which you need to be thankful for. And it starts to change the way you think, and it changes the feelings in your heart. Powerful principle. Prayer and thanksgiving. So if you've got a struggle, and you're praying and thanksgiving, I've got hope for you today. Get ready for the peace. Because it's coming. Third thing, and we'll finish with this. Another area where there's a battle. And it's a progression. You thought, think the thought, and then it becomes this feeling. If you allow it to germinate, you know, through your thoughts and your feelings, and then it becomes a passion. The enemy wants to attack you in your passions. Now, passion is good, but when we allow the enemy to have the, take the passions of God and transfer them and become the passion for something that's not good for your life, that becomes destructive. Would you agree? That becomes destructive. See. Um, Passion. See, we have passion for the stuff of this world sometimes. You see, the passion, the stuff of this world, whether it's material possession, whether it's position or title, whether it's money, whether whatever it may be, it distracts us from God sometimes and eventually disillusions us about life in general when we place our passion in the things of this world. But God doesn't ask us to do that. God says, would you place your passion on me? And when you have a thought life that's believing and in, in, in reciting God's truth and God's word, and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, and he's empowering you with self-discipline, and your feelings are based not on what's happening around you, but what God says about you, then you have a passion for what he has a passion for. It becomes a progression of uh, your life goes. The enemy... See, the enemy is not concerned about you being a Christian. But he's concerned about you having passion. And you know what passion looks like? Passion is expressed in worship and praise. Sometimes. Now, we can express passion to God through prayer or maybe our desire to love other people. That can be passionate, God's love, or, you know, lots of ways. But generally, let me say, passion is, is, is expressed through our worship of him. And, it's, and of course, part of that is singing. But the enemy is not concerned about you being a Christian. But what scares the pants of the enemy is you being a passionate, passionate worshiper of God. Passionate worshiper. And when you worship, the chains of the enemy can be broken, can be broken off your life. See, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And I've cut out a lot of little bits in the middle, but... And then it says, as you sing to God with gratitude in your heart. 
please notice that it's not perfect, incredible voices that is needed. It's the voice that simply has gratitude in their heart. Do you know that? I wrote this, and I got, didn't get it from anyone. I got it from my own thinking, maybe the Holy Spirit. It says, I wrote this, my singing doesn't always sound great, but we can make sure our heart sounds great when singing. There's a difference, isn't there? I don't always sound good when I sing, but I want to make sure my heart is great when I'm singing. I want to make sure that there's a passion in there. Because when I passionately just worship Him, whether it's here or it's through the week, did you know you can actually just worship Him tomorrow when you get up? You can worship Him every day. It's a lifestyle, not an action. It's not just the thing you do. It's, it's life. Isaiah 61 verse 3 says, The Holy Spirit gives us the garments of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Whoa. The Holy Spirit gives us the garment of praise. The heaviness of people's hearts is very prevalent today. There's anxiety. And I've mentioned these things. Anger, regret, disappointment weighs upon people's hearts. It, it, it accumulates in, in areas of mental health. The, the world puts this terminology mental health. And I want to just say that the Holy Spirit breaks the chains of that stuff when we start to passionately just praise and worship Him. He can break the chains of that stuff. He can bring a, a mental health and not a mental illness into our lives. But we have to make a choice to get up in the morning and put on the garment of praise. We're going to, you know, just like we put on a shirt or a dress or a blouse or Whatever it may be, we're gonna we're gonna put on. Sometimes it's the armor of God, but I think over the top you just gotta put praise on. Thanksgiving. And I want to tell you, it's the greatest, it's the most healthiest thing that you will do today. Besides maybe have a really healthy lunch. But even healthy for your soul and for your spirit is just the ability to put on the garment of praise. And notice it's for what? The garment of praise isn't just so you feel nice. No, it's to break the powers of heaviness over your heart and life. To break the powers of darkness. Passionate worship. Can we today close? And what I'd like us to do as we close today, we're going to sing one, maybe two more songs. And we're going to just... I just want to allow the Holy Spirit, as we worship, if you would open your hearts just a little bit further than you have ever before and say, Father, I just, for, for this moment in time before we close the service, I'm just going to praise you. I'm just going to give you thanksgiving. I'm just going to honor you. I'm just going to focus and allow your Holy Spirit to come. And, and if there's some heaviness in your heart today, some distractions, disappointment, I understand, some anger, some anxiety, would you say, Father, take this today and just bring your peace and joy and strength today as we just for a moment in this service give you all honor and praise and we magnify you, Lord. In other words, we make you bigger than any problem I face. I give you. So could we, could we do that today? Could we stand together as we close and we're going to sing um, a couple of songs and I want you purposely to do that. Maybe you're not in the mood, maybe not in the habit of doing that. Hey, no one stands here and judges you. We're just saying, hey, just take it another level. Maybe today you need to lift a hand, and that represents, I'm just handing over that issue today. <laughs> maybe today you sometimes you just need to lift your voice a little louder and you say, Well, I don't sound good. That's okay. Your heart is what God's listening to. 
Maybe today you just got to maybe move a little bit instead of being a statue standing there. Because sometimes our physical body can sometimes bring, if we respond, it can bring, it, it kind of reveals what's happening inside us. And look, it's up to you. Maybe you have to kneel today. Maybe you have to just get down on your face. I don't know. But today, just for a moment, let's just let God be God in our lives and just give Him. Because Thanksgiving breaks the power of the enemy. It breaks heaviness over our hearts today. You know, if someone's here today and they've just got a heaviness about a relationship that just wants to invade their heart. And, you know, God says, hey, why don't you give that to me today? You've got anxiety over that relationship that's gone bad. You know, as you put praise into that, it can turn around. Some of you are concerned about your immediate future and your work today and your jobs today. You've got to, it's just called a word of knowledge. It's okay. It's, but someone's got to just give praise to God and say, God, I trust you in that today. I'm just going to trust you in that today. Someone is just experiencing a struggle um, within their work, but with a, with a particular situation in a relationship with a person. And it's difficult. It might be your boss. And, and you just got to today, just, and you're trying your best. And God says, come on, just give me thanks and praise today and let that be brokenness. So you go in with a different attitude in the way you confront or talk or, or, or deal with that situation today. Some of you, um, there's more than one, have got a heavy heart about some people or friends that don't know Christ. Maybe it's your children. Could you just, in a sense, as you praise Him today, just release them to Him today? And so there's not heaviness, but there's joy that He can bring real peace and joy today in lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on. How about we just sing today? Holy Spirit, have your way today. For a moment, we just give you thanks and praise. We spend this moment in Jesus' name. What about we do that first song? I don't mind. Can we lift it a bit? Is that okay? Let's lift it just with this song. I know it's not worship, but come on. We're going to praise Him. That I know that you are faithful. You are faithful. So I speak out your word. It has a power to change my world. You're my breakthrough. You're my breakthrough. I will trust you. I will trust you. Come on, we're going to lift him. You are. Never ending will Bowing for our power Wash you Come on, wash over us, Holy Spirit We praise you I will run into the waters Jesus, take me deeper Saturating me Of despair, you are God, and you are there. Your ways with me, your ways with me. I will trust you. I will. I will trust you. You are never-ending river, 
flowing full of power, washing over me, washing over us. Yes, Lord, I will run into your waters. Jesus, take it deep. Yes, Lord, saturated me. Don't care what it looks like. I'm diving in. Nothing. Let's stop this passion. Yeah. Because I'm praising. Come on, praising. We praise you, Lord. Looks like. Woo. I'm diving in. I give you thanks today. Stop this passion. Because I'm praising Him. I'm praising Him. I'm praising you, Lord. I'm thanking you, Lord. Oh, yeah. Because you are never-ending river, flowing full of power, washing over me. Wash, Lord, I will run into the water. Yes, Lord. Jesus, take me deeper. Saturating me. Here we go. I don't care what it looks like. Cause I'm, I'm driving in. Nothing. Let's stop this passion. Come on, let's praise him. I'm praising him. Woo. I don't care what it looks like. Cause I'm diving in. Nothing can stop this passion. Because I'm praising Him. I don't care. Yes, Lord. Oh, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I pray. I've given you thanks anyway, God. Praise you, Lord. I give you thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. I praise your name. Worship you. I praise you, Lord. You are, you are never-ending river, flowing full of power, washing over Can you sense His presence washing over you this morning? I run into the real. Yes, Lord. Jesus, take me deeper, saturating me. I don't care what it looks like. I'm diving in. Nothing will stop this passion. Come on, let's praise. I'm praising Him. I don't care what it looks like. Because I'm diving in. Nothing can stop this passion. Because I'm praising Him. Praise him. Thank you, Lord. 
praise him. We praise him. We praise him. Thank you, Lord. Come on and praise him. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of you say this morning, don't get too passionate. It looks a bit funny. No, I've seen you on the side of a football oval sometimes and people get so excited about their team. I tell you, and we were made for passion, but the right type of passion is, oh, you get it. don't get too carried away at church. No, folks, because God is worth getting carried away about. If you can get excited about a team and scream and yell at the state of origin time or whatever you may watch or whatever you may do, whatever gets your, your, your motor rolling or whatever it is, I tell you, why can't we get passionate and give God our praise and honour and honour? Because, because I, I, my team winning really doesn't do anything for me. But when God wins and I praise Him, I tell you, that does something incredible for me. It changes the atmosphere in my thinking, in my life. It changes, the, it changes my mind. It changes the feelings. It changes the passion. So today, Holy Spirit, we thank You. We thank You that You are an incredible God and You've given us incredible gifts and weapons. And we thank You for Your presence. We thank You for praise. We thank You for discipline. The Lord, as we today do what we've been doing again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and in loving and serving You. And I thank You for each precious person here today. Uh, Father, as we go, we would be ever so aware to do the swap out, the swap the bad for the good this week and live in your truth and your word and what you say about us, to self-talk your word into our hearts. Uh, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said, Amen. Amen. Have a great day, church. If you can stay for morning tea, that'd be brilliant. And connect with someone.